some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Hey everybody, it's Aldo Gandhi, and I just want to let you know really quickly that our swag shop is reopened. DeepDishTees.com is where you go, and that's tees with T-E-E-S. Clever name, guys. They're the new home of our merchandise. You can get t-shirts, you can get caps, you can get coffee mugs, you can get hoodies, you can get all sorts of good stuff, and you'll help out the bar room with the purchase. So head over to DeepDishTees.com. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Greg Gabriel Talks Football. Happy Thanksgiving to you, Greg. That's right. I got to get ready to eat, don't I? That's right. <laughs> you, you look like you could stand to gain a couple pounds after all yeah. that working out that you've been doing. Yeah, I know. I got my workout in this morning. <laughs> did you lose any wet? Uh, did you lose any, any wet? Any <laughs> weight <laughs> watching the Bears game yesterday? Oh. <laughs> uh, no, that just the whole thing just just pissed me off. I think this is two games in a row where you have the lead under two minutes, mm-hmm. and you're kicking off. So all you got to do is well, they had to prevent a field goal in, against Pittsburgh. They had to prevent a touchdown against. They had a four point lead. Really didn't matter. They go for the two point conversion. I it, to me that made no difference whether you kicked it or 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 uh, go for two. Uh, Either way, they had to get a touchdown, mm-hmm. and um, he couldn't hold them, and and that that's just not acceptable. And and you know, I've been one of the guys that have been sticking up for Kendall Vildor, but what a stupid interference penalty he has mm-hmm. on that. And then on top of that, and I'm and I watched the play a few times. Dion Bush drops the interception. First of all, drops interceptions always come back to haunt you always mm-hmm. just and that's a perfect example you take the ball away from them the game's over mm-hmm. if he intercepts that ball i don't know if that flag goes down right because that was a late flag right yep well i actually have uh that final drive uh here but what i'd like to do first is, is start off with the very first offensive drive for the Chicago Bears, because I think this set the tenor for the game. And so let's take a look at it. The Bears get the ball. Uh, let me let me go full screen with this thing. Hold on a second. Yeah, there you go. The Bears get the ball at their, what, 15-yard line, 14-yard line, and this is the first play. Uh, and it's an excellent first down play. They pick up eight yards, and things are get off to a really good start. This is a Justin Fields uh, run to the left, predetermined. And then so they move to on second down. Interrupt me here at any time. They move to a second down and short, and they pick up the first down, which is fantastic. You don't want to get to third down. You want to get those first right. downs after two Absolutely. downs. 
And now here's a running play again on first down, close to the first down marker. On second down and one, Justin Fields hits this gorgeous, gorgeous play. I mean, I'm gonna. I want to look at it again. It's just a gorgeous play. It's a gorgeous play call and excellent e- execution from the rookie quarterback. Right. No, no, no question about it. And, and Mooney does a good job getting open, getting separation. Mm-hmm. And he could have easily have decided, oh, you know what? I'm just gonna dump it off to Cole Komet here because I don't have the vision to look downfield. Uh, but he didn't. He kept his eyes downfield. Uh, and so you got to be proud of the young quarterback for this. So now we move into a first down situation. Excuse me. Uh, on first down, they picked up two yards. And so this is the second down and eight play. It's a pitch play to the left with uh, Grant, who's playing on a sore ankle. He picks up the first down. I thought that was an excellent design play. Yep. Now you get to first down and 10 at the 21 yard line of the Ravens. Uh, Fields is pressured here. And he throws it away, which Tony Romo said was an excellent play that he, you know, you live to play another day, right? Don't take the sack. Don't take the sack. Second down and 10. Here we go. Handoff. Short game. It puts the Bears now at third down and five. And here is the play that everyone, most Bears fans and most of the people in the media that I've heard we're just astonished at the play call here. It's a pitch to David Montgomery on the right side. As you can see, the linebacker is already reading it and moving towards that direction. It's as if they knew the play and they failed to pick play up. Play it players. back just a little bit, only you, because you, 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 from where you had it stopped, it was after the ball was our Okay, this is a better view anyway. Yeah. So I figured I know you love this point of view. So I figured I got to keep this in in for for Greg. So why don't you take your observations from here? Well, you got an overload to the offensive right side from the defense. Right. So there, there. I mean, that's a play where you know I can't tell you. It's it's very easy for me to say inexperienced rookie quarterback. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. But you know, not knowing exactly what's going on. I'm going to say this. He should have had a way to check out of that play mm-hmm. because that, you know, and, and go to the other side, even if he does it himself, make the pitch and then boot to the other side. Now you did have this guy coming, you know, the, uh, the linebacker there on the outside was not blocked, mm-hmm. but you still had an overload going there. Even, even a reverse, if you could have somehow checked into a reverse going against that particular defense, the play mm-hmm. would have worked. Right. And uh, I'll also note that the right guard, James Daniels, he decides to help Larry Borum with his block, which is probably how he's coached. But that leaves, uh, what's his name, uh, uh, Queen, number six, unattended, and when Queen is blasting by Daniels, number 68 there, Daniels has his back completely turned to it. And it doesn't help that Montgomery gives up on the outside rush, running to the outside of the tight ends. He instead decides to pause here, and that allows – Well, that's what happens, although when you got a zone scheme. Okay. Because it, it, it leaves it to the running back to make the decision. Okay. You know, of, of where he's going to go. So – um. You know, if he cuts back, 
he's dead in the water. He stands mm-hmm. still, and, and the defense gets penetration there. Right. So look where the line of scrimmage is, and then look where the defenders are. Mm-hmm. The defenders mm-hmm. are all sitting on the bare side of the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. So I mean, they they won that play. Yeah, they sure okay. did. So I, I I think the best way to say I I can't say is necessarily a bad call. Okay. It's it's a great. It, it, it's a great example of him either not knowing how to check out or not having the ability to check out or whatever, because it was based on that defense. You got to go to something else. Mm-hmm. That's, that's my interpretation. Just looking at the tape. Right. Well, um, I, I, I hear what you're saying and I think it's a great explanation. Give fields an opportunity to check out if he doesn't already have that. And from an execution standpoint, because I, I love the way Sean Desai, I think it was thir- last Thursday's press conferences, you know, we can call whatever, but basically what it always comes down to is the execution of the players. And oh, I, and I, and I, I, I will tell you that for years. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it, it's funny. I go back uh, first Notre Dame game this year and, and Brian Kelly, you know, all the, all the politically correct people jumped all over him for saying this. Uh, he, he said, we got to execute better than then something along the lines of, and that includes all the players, you know, execute the players. <laughs> you know, right. and, and, but that, that's, uh, that's what it is. If you do your, you know, what's Bill Belichick say? Do your job. Yep. Yep. It's, it, it, it's not a hard game, but at the same time, you got to have the right call. Now, I didn't listen to much of the presser today. I don't know if anybody brought up that particular play and say, does, does Justin Fields have the ability to check out of that play? Now I guarantee you Andy Dalton would have hit, would have seen that and would have checked out of it. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. and that's the experience factor. Now in saying all that and, and, you know, Andy got everybody excited by going the length of the field in two plays his first drive. But after that, Except for that last pass, he was very average. There's nothing he did that you're going to say he should be the starter next week. But Thursday, I guarantee he will be the starter because I think, you know, the, the rib injury that Fields has is not going to allow him to play this week. Absolutely not. There's no way. You know, they're not going to say that. And people were, were jumping on Nagy's back. Uh, say, why can't he be truthful? Well, why why does he want to tell Detroit? I think at, the, at this point, Greg, it, it, it doesn't matter. To play these mind games against Detroit, it, it doesn't matter. The fact that it matter, and Brad Biggs is his 10... Uh, uh, points, you know, that he uh, column that he publishes every Monday on the Chicago right. Tribune is just so well done, uh, especially the oh, first four. Yeah, he's a great writer and he knows his football. And he his basically his first three points were all related to the po- to the point that this Bears offense is putrid. It's awful, and that Matt Nagy has so has had so much time to develop this offense that that's what's causing these uh, these uh, games to be lost by the Chicago Bears. Yes, you can point the finger to the defense the last two weeks and that they've broken down in the fourth quarter, but you but look still, at still. I, I get it. The offense still isn't scoring enough points. Exactly. 
True. And, and, and we got to be fair. Justin, that was not, you know, you're looking for the arrow going up with Justin Fields. Yesterday, it went down. It went down. No, he, did not have his, he did not have a good game. He, his accuracy, ball placement was off. Uh, I, I think he was bothered by the blitzes they were doing. But, you know, let's get back to the, the offense. The playbook is pretty much the same playbook as Kansas City's. Mm-hmm. And Kansas City works. But the difference is you got Andy Reid running that offense. And he's the master. Mm-hmm. And he's the guy who designed the offense. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, so it goes back to, you know, I got to get one of Belichick, you know, the same thing. I, I want to get one of Belichick's assistants because New England's so good. But there's only one Belichick. Mm-hmm. And guess what? There's only one Andy Reid. Mm-hmm. So you can rely on a coaching tree. But at the same time, there's no guarantee. I mean, we've seen coaching trees have no success whatsoever. Um, you know, what? so let, let me ask you, Greg, because it's very likely, in my opinion, the odds are going up with, with each game result that the Bears are going up. Well, that's why I think, you know, I said this last week. If it's, and I'm sorry for interrupting. That's okay. The, the, if they don't win Thursday, it's all over. It's over. It's over. Okay, so they have, but even I, I honestly believe a decision's already been made. I'm with you. Okay, now let's switch gears here a little bit. Because I don't know if I want to talk about that game anymore. Anyway, (laughs) 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 we can play the hypothetical game here. Okay, and okay, let's assume that the hierarchy decided Matt just can't get it done and, and we got to make a change. Okay, are they going to make a change with just Matt? Or is it Matt and Ryan? Mm-hmm. We don't have the answer to that. And then the part two of that is, and it's a big part, because of the new rules this year, and it just helps you with the interview process, getting ahead started is, you know, if you are going to let go of both, then both got to be done in the next month. Right. You know, three weeks to a month because you've got to use those final two weeks to to start the interview process. You don't have to, but the teams are, you know, there's going to be other teams that are are going to be jumping on the bandwagon for that, for those interviews, for those early interviews. You got to assume that. Absolutely. So that's, to me, that's, that's going to be the intriguing part of the next month is what is the thinking in Hallis Hall? And I, you know, I've, said this before i don't like to talk about people getting fired you know i've been in those positions it's it it's not fun you know um and and it's more about the families than the person the person can handle it he knows when you take the big job you you know that your days are numbered you will chances are you will get fired when you get the big job 
if you last long enough, you'll get fired. And then there's the old saying, you know, in the NFL, if you haven't been fired, you haven't been in the league yet. (laughs) (laughs) I agree with you. So let me ask you to comment on Danny Shimon's speculation, and he underlined speculation that if the Bears lose – against the Lions Thursday, would it not be he, – he thought – and I and it's an embarrassing loss – then he thought Matt Nagy may not be around on Friday, the, the Black Friday, as they call it, in the consumer world. Uh, he may not be around. He might be fired on Friday. Any you care? Or, I, I've thought about that, or Saturday. Yeah, yeah. So you care to care to speculate? I don't know. No, I, 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 I don't know. I've, I've – thought that, that that if in fact they do lose this week because you have a long week then there's no such thing as a long week a week is seven days the but <laughs> you've got that. 10 days between up until your next game so yeah if you were if you made a decision that Matt's not going to be your head coach and really what's changing other than the guy who wears the hat as the head coach, Laser's still there calling the play, so the offense is going to be the same. The defense is going to be the same. Special teams is going to be the same. It's just, okay, who's going to be the, the spokesman? You know, is, is it going to be what they did before with Tabor, or do they do uh, Mike Patton, who's had that position before, because it would be, you know, four weeks or so. One of the and you bring up a great points there that I, you know I wonder if for for instance if Matt Nagy is fired perhaps clock management might be better. Yesterday against the Ravens, we saw Matt Nagy call three timeouts in the second half, all of which happened when the clock was already stopped. So, for instance, he calls a timeout to discuss the two-point conversion. Should this not be something? Because I've seen coaches, like, they look prepared for almost any scenario that could be brought forward. Well, let's go back. Let's go back. Again, I'm sorry to interrupt, but let's go back to what I said earlier. It made no difference if they went two or one. Mm-hmm. Either way, but burning the timeout, it was was the, what what was right. right. So to me, that that's that that's the bad part. Mm-hmm. It's because it didn't make a difference if they had got one or two. You were forcing your opponent to get a touchdown on their next drive. Correct. A you, field goal was not going to win the game. So who cares? Kick kick the extra point. Right. But if it's a six point game, at least you have an opportunity to block the game leading uh, extra point from Justin Tucker. It's highly unlikely that it'll happen. But yeah, yeah. you got the most accurate kicker in the history of the National Football League. (laughs) He's going to miss one. He he probably won't, but at least you got a shot at it. (laughs) No, I I, I get. But you know what? To me, I, I. I, I get the one thing. Okay, let's go up by six. If they score a touchdown, maybe we can, you know, block it or maybe he misses it. That's the wrong guy you say that with. Mm-hmm. You don't know your opponent. Right. I I I, I agree. You, you got to know your opponent. But then I I I'm, I just want to. 
not that I know anything better than you. You know football. I know nothing. <laughs> Let's underline no, that. No, 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 <laughs> but, no. but I but I do want to challenge you that if, for instance, Matt Nagy were fired, uh, I, I do have to believe that there are some complexion changes in the management of the team during the week, during the the assembly of the game plan because Matt Nagy won't be in the room. And so perhaps some biases that he has, perhaps some likes and dislikes are now going to be discounted. And well, so there, there's that, that's a factual statement. Okay. And then okay, because he is, day, yeah, he, well, he, he can overrule stuff on game day. Absolutely. Okay. And, and I, you know, I'll just say that, you know, his stamp on the offensive game plan will not, even though he's not calling the plays, what the, the plan actually is mm -hmm, mm -hmm. will be strictly lasers at that point. And, and you're going to find out, it, it, you know, what the difference is. Right. You know, so. An excellent point of that is that play that we diagnosed, that third and five play uh, in the red zone. Matt Nagy said that that play was put in early in the week and they knew that was going to be a, a play call in the red zone. My, my complaint is why call it on third down? <laughs> you know, give your quarterback the most dynamic player that you have on your offense. Give him an opportunity to make a play with his legs or his arm. Well, third and five and a run to get the first down, the analytics on that's going to be pretty low. Pretty damn low. <laughs> okay, that's going to be low. Unless you make it, and then you're going to say, great play call. You know how that works. But the, but I get back to, you come to the line of scrimmage, and you see how the defense is set up. And right away, now, that's when there should have been a timeout. Right there. If, if, if he doesn't know what to do, if he's a rookie, he doesn't know what to do, if, if, if I'm laser Nagy, I'm yelling into that headset, time out. Exactly. I'm okay, because, because the defense was set up to stop the play that was called. And again, we don't know what capacity Justin Fields has to go to another play. Right. And, uh, you know, it to me – Yesterday underlined what you and I have talked about is that if Andy Dalton would have started every game this season, the Bears would likely have more wins. Correct? Uh, yeah, I agree with that. I mean, you 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 change the whole complexity of the season when you made that decision that that Justin Fields was going to be your starter. Mm -hmm. So you now you've got to have a little bit less in your game plan and hopefully you as he learns you can add to your your offense each week but it, it hasn't helped that you've had a bunch of injuries mm -hmm. okay on the off i mean some key players the oh offensive line you had montgomery hurt you've had receivers hurt you know so there's been a bunch of different things going on uh and, and that's not anybody's fault that's just what it is but you know, I, whether that came from above, and we talked about that a few weeks ago, or from the coaching staff, you know, we don't know the answer to that. 
And you know what? We're never going to know the answer because nobody's going to ever give us the the, the truthful answer. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now, getting back to the point about you know, if you fire the head coach and and during the season, you know, the, what does that mean for Ryan Pace? So what I'm getting to is, I have a love hate relationship with Ryan Pace. I think he's made some excellent moves, but I also think that he's made some really bad moves. And I think we well, saw. Let's be fair; they're in, they're in the GM in the league that does make some bad moves too. Absolutely. Okay, so across that's across the board. You're thinking you're doing the right thing, and there isn't. But it, it's you know you got to look at, at at some contracts, and you can go back and say, "Why the hell did we do that one?" Mm-hmm. And and one being Danny Trevathan. Mm-hmm. Okay, and. and you know, I, I've said this, and I was looking up some numbers before we went on the air. We know A-Rob's not going to be here. Nope. That's a given. I don't think Hicks is going to be here. Nope. I don't I don't know how many games he missed. I'd have to go back and look how many games he missed last year. But he missed time last year. He's missing time this year. Uh, yes, he's great in the locker room. But unless he plays at a real reduced salary, which you're probably not going to do unless that's all he can get. That, that's the, the unknown part. Then you can't have between those two, you got $30 million. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and you're going to have to have some money, especially because you don't have a, a number one. Uh, you know, one of those quarterbacks is going to be gone next mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. I don't know which one. Now, you know, Andy Dalton may want to go someplace where he can play. But maybe he's going to find out, you know what? There's no place to go. Maybe right. he's better off staying here. And right. then it's who's going to be the coach if they're going to make a change? Right. Who's going to be the general manager if they're going to make a change? Because that's going to have a big influence as to who stays, who goes as far as the players. Right, right. You know, there's so many unanswered things, but you've got to have – First thing you got to do is you got to have money. And, and and I'm not a proponent of going out and spending a gazillion dollars on some free agents. A lot of times that comes back and haunts you. Yep. Okay. And, and, and look at the teams that have success in free agency. They don't spend anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They, they, they wait. And, and Chris Ballard's one of them. He very rarely gets into the money game in free agency because he knows you got to overpay. Yep. You know, he waits until there's a bargain out there. Mm-hmm. And and then he, he'll go get it. Belichick's the same way. Last year is the first year I can remember where Belichick's really gone, you know, this this past offseason. Be- and, and that's because he, he was stripped bare. He had to do something. Mm-hmm. And he had some money. But before that, he also had the quarterback. Right. That was my my complaint with the acquisition of Khalil Mack. As much uh, of a player that I admire, I admire the guy. He's a, he's a, he's a you know a tremendous player. He's one of the best in the NFL. But the money allocated to him just cripples you with what you can do. And you need eleven guys. Yes, you need some superstars on defense and some superstars on offense. You need that. But maybe with the money that was allocated to Khalil Mack, you can acquire two superstars, two young superstars on defense. No, I'm not gonna I'm not I'm not gonna agree with you on that one because he's a 
he's a difference maker player. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, he's been banged up the last couple of years, but still, even this year, he was off to a great start. Oh, and then he, not, you know, and but and, and then you got to look. You know, everybody was criticizing the Quinn siding for last year. Well, he's making up for it this year now. Quinn is playing some ball now. Um, now you, you got to get some other guys to play along with him. You know, I I, I think the Danny Trevathan extension, if you want to go pluses and minuses on certain things, I think that was a bad idea. You know, and, and that that's in hindsight, but you know, you're you're gonna have he's gonna cost you money to to cut even next year, but it's it's you know it keeps going down. You're just gonna have to bite the bullet because I think he's got three years left on his contract after mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Dented Fender has an excellent point here. He says Pace keeps overspending on free agents because he doesn't draft well. Now I, you know, I don't agree with that because we've had, there's been some good draft picks. Yes, but at the same time, he's had to sign free agents because they don't have enough draft picks to make up for draft mistakes. Perfect example, Jimmy Graham, because Adam Shaheen, a guy from Ashland University who played junior high school. There's a lot of people, you know what? There's a lot of people that, that, you know, Adam's still playing in the league. He gets banged up, but he's still playing. But there's a lot of people in the league that were falling on that one saying, oh, you know, I'd love to have this guy. He's not the only guy. So Mm -hmm. he's the guy, though, that made the pick. If he doesn't make the pick, somebody else is going to make the pick. I don't think, and there were rumors that Shaheen was was the target of some other team, which was perhaps why Shaheen, why why Pace drafted him in the second round. But I, it's hard for me to believe that he had a lot of second round grades. <laughs> People had. Well, no, that, you're you're looking at, it, you know what he can be, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but they were wrong. Okay, and you're going you you. It's easy to second guess and say, yeah, they were wrong. But I, but you know, you do a lot of intel. When I tell you you're doing a lot of intel, you're, tr- you're making a lot of calls in the weeks leading up to the draft and you're trying to find out what teams are excited about what player, you know, what's, and, and if you know the right people, you can find these things out. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a little harder now than it was when I was there because just of a, because of a few different things, teams are a little more secretive, but you know, still, if, if, if you're going to grade uh, Ryan Pace, you, you got to grade him. You're going to give him a minus on, on Mitch. So far, you got to give him a plus on, uh, on Justin Fields. But then there's a guy that I know well, who, who's not in the league anymore. And he was texting me today. Well, he, he, Screwed it up again. He should have taken Mac Jones. Mm-hmm. And I don't agree. Personally, I don't agree with that. And I said that. I think, yes, Matt Jones is a better player today. And that's because of the offense he played in at Alabama, what he's doing, and the team he went to. At, but I think, you know, when you look at the ceiling, right now it's you got Justin here and Matt's right here. But in two years, I think it's going to be like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
and and you've you've got to take that into consideration too. I mean, I could be all wrong on that, but I just you you see enough flashes from from Justin Fields to know there's greatness there. Mm-hmm. He just got a and and this guy tried to tell me he's not a um, he's not a pocket passer, and they said you better go back and look at some Ohio State film. Yep. Son of a bitch played from the pocket all year last year. Very go, reluctant go, to run. Yeah, go go look at the Clemson game. Mm-hmm. Yep. Ball never hit the ground. Right. All right. Uh, Rob is challenging you here. He says he loves you, but he thinks that you're always going to defend Ryan Pace. And he goes on to say, remember who was before Shaheen, another Pace signee, Trey Burton. Trey Burton had a career year. <laughs> that that first season with the Chicago Bears caught like he's not in the league now because he got hurt too much. Right. And, and yeah. you know, and, and these mental issues, alleged mental issues that he had that didn't transpire until the, the playoffs. It is what it is, but I don't think you can say Trey Burton was a bad signing because he delivered big numbers, but let's get back to Rob. He he, you had to do. Yeah. I, I agree. I agree. That was a bad signing. Okay. And I, you know, there's a couple things I can't say. I'd tell you off the air, okay. but um, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say it for public. You know, having to do with that particular player. Okay. Um, but yeah, the, I uh, personally I don't think he's mentally tough enough. And you know, he's your pure H back, and so you've got to use him as a move guy. And he was being used in tight. Mostly, he was used as a as a move guy, but there was, if you put him in tight once, that's once too often. Mm-hmm. That's right. not his position. Not at all. He only weighed 235 pounds. He's six foot two. This guy's a former quarterback. Right. They were trying to land a cheap man's Travis Kelsey type of. Yeah. Uh, but Kelsey's six, five. Yeah. But they, they uh, pa- I should just say a pass catching tight end, which is what Trey Burton was only good at that was it he he could throw a pass maybe (laughs) he did it in a super bowl but yeah i don't i don't have that big of a problem with the trey burton signing obviously it didn't turn out well uh because he only had well yeah but it didn't turn out well mostly because of the injuries let's be fair exactly and he got hurt a lot it wasn't one injury it was like a half a dozen Yes, it's very, very true. But let's get back to Rob's uh, uh, accusation here that you, you're always going to defend Ryan Pace. So you want, no, I'm going to defend the process because I've been part of the process. I know it goes into making decisions. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so that part I'm going to defend because I, I, you know, you don't just say, oh, let's go get this guy. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you're doing research and you have – I can't tell you exactly what goes on there is, you know, is, is, you know, champ Kelly is, was at the time was running the pro and now he's, you know, he's got a different title now, but he's still the head pro guy. Mm-hmm. And, and so you got him and the pro department giving their, their feelings on the player. And then you've got probably a coach or two giving their feelings on the player. And then you're going for and, and Ryan's got his feelings. Now, you put that all together and you just say, okay. And, and then, I, now if I'm not wrong, didn't he come in when Nagy came in? Correct. Okay. So, uh, you know, and, and a big part of that offense is the move tight end. Yep, exactly. Okay. But he's still, 
to pay him the money. He he, he had good production at Philly the year before, mm-hmm. uh, but still the production was really one year. Mm-hmm. And to give him the money that they gave him was that really wise spending. Could you have gotten him cheaper? Right. Were they? And I I think one thing that the the Bears have done is they've they've bid against themselves mm-hmm. a few times, and and a lot of times you you know you have no way of knowing, and so you know you just got to go on intuition, so to speak. But you know to get back to what he was saying, it's not that I'm defending uh, Nagy or Pace or anybody else. I I you know, I know how the process works. And so the process I'm always going to defend. And, and that's fair. I, you know, cause there are, for instance, I've been critical of the draft selection of Duke Shelley by Ryan Pace. So I went back thinking, well, I'm going to find a better player in that round or maybe the round. When did he go in the sixth round? He went in the sixth round. Correct. And there wasn't any. The only other cornerback that I liked in that draft was Jimmy Moreland, and I'm not even sure he's in the league anymore. <laughs> so, you know, you 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 sometimes are just dealt with. Yeah, I think Jimmy Moreland ended up playing more safety than corner. Yeah, but, and that's uh, another thing too. Exactly. Yeah. And and you know, he was a small school guy. Mm-hmm. You, what you liked about, and I'm not sticking up for Shelly because I don't. Per, I, I've said this before. I don't like short corners. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I. I to me, anything under 5'10 is too short. And and if they're 5'10, they better have good arm length. You know, and I know for a fact there's teams that they've got that 5'10, and I know one team that's 5'10 and a half. Mm-hmm. Any corner comes off the board that doesn't hit that skill, regardless of how good they are. Mm-hmm. Like there's that guy um, out of TCU. We went in the first round of the Chargers. Barrett, I think his name was. Yeah. You know, this goes back to you. He was 5'9". Right. Stand Teams had him off the board. Yep. I don't. He, first round pick. Right. But he there's teams that wouldn't have touched him because he's 5'9". Yep. Uh, and I, so I, you got to, when you have that profile on those players, you got to, you got to, you can't deviate from it. Exactly, and and I'm not gonna, and I'm not one of those guys that's gonna go out and, you know, if I'm making the decision, draft me a five foot eight corner because there's too many damn big receivers. Exactly, and they're playing the top receiver of the team so often in the slot that yeah, to me the slot cornerback position has become more and more important with each passing year. Well. I, 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 the way defense is played now, the, the slot corner, the nickel corner is a starter. Yeah, yeah. When you look at the, the amount of snaps he has. Yes, 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 yeah. Okay, so, so I mean, and you're playing with one less linebacker, one, and, and you're playing with five DBs. Mm-hmm. Somebody on Twitter, and I think it was somebody from the Chicago media, said that the Bears have more depth at quarterback than they do in their secondary and and at the wide receiver position. Well, there's been injuries too. Let's go back. You know, the, the last two games have had breakdowns in the secondary in the final two minutes. Who's missing? And, yeah, Eddie Jackson. Okay, and what do we say about? I, yeah, granted, he misses some tackles. Yep. But he also runs the show back there, and he's pretty he's damn smart. Yeah. 
Okay. And, and you're missing that key cog to the secondary where, you know, his presence could have made a difference in those two games. Mm-hmm. We, I, we're never going to know for sure. Cause he's, you know, you can't play the game over. Right. Right. I'll give you another signing that I was disappointed in that Ryan Pace made. When he extended the contract of Tariq Cohen, I said to myself, why are you doing that? These kinds of uh, specialty backs are a dime a dozen. Well, I don't know if they're a dime a dozen, but yeah, no, I get but he, the I, other I don't thing, think it, the other thing is that he yeah. he, he was his, physically he was taking a beating as the season as his, he's played I, three games since he did that signed that contract right exactly and you could just see that his play he was running towards sidelines so often because he was being hit so hard he's he was nowhere near as built as a Darren Sproles who had muscle on top of muscle Tariq Cohen isn't that type of player and therefore unable to take that punishment well, Darren Sproles and I and I scouted Darren Sproles is a lot bigger in the lower body mm-hmm. if you look at them height and weight they're almost identical but their bodies are put together differently mm-hmm. and Sproles is real big in the lower body where you know I think Cohen is strong but he's just not as as thick or as powerful in the, in the lower body now I have no problem with giving the guy extension because he was going to be an important part of your game. You can't, I mean, it was a freak injury too. The guy came running and hit him into his, if you remember the play, Absolutely. you know, like head first into his knee and that tore the ACL. But, and, and most players come back from that. He hasn't come back from it. There's been, you know, who knows what's going on. Mm-hmm. You know, supposedly he's working out, but he sure as hell isn't ready to play. Uh, and I don't think he'll play at all this season. Doesn't look that way. Well, that, you know, then you got, you know, you got a four-year contract, and he's played in three games. Mm-hmm. You know, so is it? Does the next coach, if there is a next coach, keep him, or does the next general manager keep him, or do you bite the bullet on that one? And I think part of it has to do. You got to know more about the the health of him. And we don't know what that situation is. Right. I mean, there's been rumors that he had a second surgery, but what was the second surgery? Why? Right. Did he have scar tissue and they had to manipulate him? Because that's not really a surgery. That's, you know, I I had that on my knee when I had the, you know, two months after I had my original uh, knee replacement done, I had to have a manipulation done. They call it a surgery. It took 15 seconds. Mm -hmm. They take your knee and they go... (laughs) Yeah, you know, while you're out and it's done, okay, because they they want to tear the the adhesions, mm-hmm. and you know some people are are prone to have scar tissue buildup, and and that can slow the healing process. Right. Laz has a question for you. He says, "How do you feel about Brian McCaskey possibly taking over from George? He's younger, and I believe he's currently a VP of the team. In fact, uh, Brian is a vice president of the team, along with his brother uh, Patrick McCaskey. So there's the the Bears have two McCaskies as vice presidents. Do you know anything about these guys? Yeah, I know them both real well. Any um, future for them in terms of uh, uh, George's? You know, part of that has to do with." You know, older brother, 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and and Michael stepped down, and so then George took over. They're all on the board of directors. Mm-hmm. They all get their say. So don't you know, like you know, I worked at the Giants for seventeen years. In the Arizona, John Mara is the president. He always gets referred to as the owner. Well, there's like ten Mara kids. And those other kids have a say in things too. Right. Okay. And Chris Mara was on the scouting staff with me. Mm-hmm. And Chris Mara is very, very involved with all the personnel decisions. He also done that now. And he is very well qualified to be the general manager. But why would you want to be the general manager when you own part of the team and then you got to take the heat? So you. You still make all the decisions, and you let the real GM take the heat. This is what happens, you know. Um, do but, you, go ahead. But what I'm going to say is, and and you bring up a point because I I listen on talk radio today, and people, well, they got to bring in a football czar over the general manager. Well, then the general manager isn't the general manager. <laughs> exactly. Okay, then your football czar is the GM, and now you're paying two people to do the exact same thing. I agree with that. And they already have Okay, and, and, and that's – and now – and hey, when I worked there, Jerry was the general manager. Mm-hmm. I ran the college scouting. Bobby DePaul ran the pro scouting. We didn't have a director of player personnel. Mm-hmm. We kept it simple. And, and, and the pro scouts didn't get involved in college. I did get involved in some pro, and it's only if, if you know, they want another opinion on a guy we may sign as free agency, and I'd watch tape, and, and it was only if it was asked to me. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that to have put, you know, have, have that football czar, that is not going to do a damn thing for the difference on the playing field. It's going to cost you another few million dollars a year mm-hmm. and it might make talk radio feel a little better. Oh, they got a football. Player. It doesn't mean shit. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Get the right guy. Hold the GM job. Right. Exactly. And we all know what all this collaboration at Hallis Hall, currently at Hallis Hall has resulted. Oh, it's a bad word they use. I mean, you know, I, <laughs> I I don't know who used that first, Tedder or George, but it was probably George. And you know, I I've been there. I know what I know how the conversations go, and I know now George is more involved than Michael ever was. Mm-hmm. I I know that. I, now, when I worked, you know, and I and I know George well, but when I worked there, George was running the ticket department. But, you know, you make it a point to have a good relationship with the people whose last name was McCaskey. <laughs> good idea. So, <laughs> you know, so, you know, if I needed something from George, I knew I could go get it, you mm-hmm. know, and 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 because I had a good relationship with him. And but how much he gets involved in the final decision, I you know, I don't know the answer to that because mm-hmm. I'm not inside the building, mm-hmm. but I know what Ted's involvement is and people, you know, they, they want to blame Ted 
they're blowing hot air because they don't have a freaking idea what he does. Yeah. He's in charge of making sure they got money. Now, I will say this. The, yeah, you know what you say that right though. His yeah. job is to make sure they make the money. Right. And and he oversees a lot of things. And that if and he does a pretty damn good job. And I'm not standing up for him, but he does a pretty good job at that. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and when let's go back to when Matt Nagy was hired. Okay. That was the hot name. It was. Okay. Uh, because you know the Andy Reid tree, the, the the offense that that they were running in Kansas City, and you know they stole the, our friend at the Bears blog, you know, saying that uh, he outfoxed Ballard to get him. You know, <laughs> and Ryan Pace outfoxed Ballard wasn't going to hire him because it was good. They were good friends. That's the fact. Mm, interesting. Yeah, they were very good friends, and and he interviewed them, but he interviewed them more out of um, courtesy than anything else mm-hmm. to actually help him with this situation. But he knew that when you hire a guy, eventually you may have to fire him. And the as the kids were friends, mm-hmm. the wives are friends, and so it's like. I'm not going in that direction. Mm-hmm. Yep. That, uh, that's fascinating insight. I appreciate that. And a bear truth has an interesting question for you. He, he says, do you think that the bears have any guys in the organization already who could be become the general manager of this team? One guy whose name has popped around a lot in media circles is champ Kelly. He's a guy that's going to get interviews for uh, GM jobs, yeah. you know, outside the outside Chicago and maybe even Chicago. What do you know about Champ Kelly and anyone else in your? Yeah, I met Champ and and I'm, I I can't say I know him. I've met him. Mm-hmm. You know, had had conversations and passing with him. Everybody speaks very highly of him, but I can't tell you. You know when you know if somebody's a good football guy when you get to read their reports. And what, what, what do they put down on paper? And, you know, what are they seeing? Because you know what you're, I, I know what I'm seeing. And, and, and I don't care if somebody disagrees with me, but I want them to have strength in their conviction, you know, and, and be able to, to, to sell the player. But, you know, I, I, I've been on the road with guys that I thought were pretty good scouts only because of how, you saw them conduct themselves on a school call. Mm-hmm. And, but were they good evaluators? I don't know. Cause I've never seen a report. That, and you know that what's interesting that you bring that up is I read this uh, a few years ago that the resume that potential GMs have is, are there scouting reports? That's the portfolio they bring in and say, I had a great scouting report on Travis Kelsey, you know, and he ended up being first round value at fifth round. I had uh, uh, this report on blah, blah, blah. And he was a bust at first round. And I predicted that he would be a bust. Is that true that that is basically, it's something that player personnel guys who are interviewing for jobs that they, they flash those scouting reports around? 
I, I don't think it's it's that part. I think it's your plan. Okay. What okay. And part of the plan, plan, part of your plan is okay. Who's going to be your staff? Who's going to be your coach? Mm-hmm. You know, and and then who? Okay, this these are the people I'm going to bring in. This guy's going to be my college director. This guy's going to be my pro director. This guy is, I, I want to interview this guy, this guy, and this guy is the head coach, you know, and, and, and have those. And, and, and you gotta, you gotta walk in there and have a plan and say, okay, you know, you gotta say like, if, if I was interviewing, I'd have to, you know, have to go in and say, okay, look at, I'm going to get rid of this guy, this guy, this guy, and this guy. Mm-hmm. I, I see them as, you know, the arrow going down with them. They're not worth the money. And look, the the one term I always use, and I in that side work I'm doing that we don't want to say exactly what that is, sure. but that's one thing I always say is, if you're getting five million in salary, you got to give five million back in production. Mm-hmm. Right. Don't pay for past successes. Pay for that's right. And so, and and when you don't give five million back in production, you become useless to the team Mm -hmm. yep very well put and something that um well i won't say it i don't i don't want to pick on my base (laughs) um don't want to no no but i mean that that, that's just my my own philosophy but here's here's an interesting thought that i just had based on what you said so when people say don't you need somebody who knows football above the general manager so when that prospective general manager is being interviewed and says i want to bring in this guy this guy this guy is it possible that ted phillips doesn't know what these who these people are so you know there's very few i okay that's a good point but at the same time well, that's why they brought in like an Ernie Accorsi mm-hmm. because there you you get somebody. Um, what's the word I want? A impartial person involved in the process who does know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Okay, and and you're paying that guy a pretty good chunk of change now. You might be getting a quarter million dollars or three hundred thousand dollars or something like that for that for a month's worth of work. Mm-hmm. And uh, shit, I take it. And then, uh, <laughs> you know that, but that's. But why have a guy now that you're paying three million to, mm-hmm. who's going to be doing the exact same thing? And what your GM then? If you do that, your GM is nothing but a glorified player personnel director. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to set up your hierarchy correctly. Right. Exactly. I, I, I totally, I mean, I worked many, many years in corporate uh, uh, for corporate America. And those are the things that I learned about corporate America. It, it, it applies to professional football too, too. When you're building a, a front office and, and a management team, you know, it's very similar principles. And it's funny because we would hire Football coaches like Bill Cower came in, talked to a bunch of employees, and he was espousing a lot of the same things that the corporation was would uh, espouse. And and uh, but that never happens the other way around. I don't think we've ever seen a uh, football team bring in, you know, like uh, Jeff Bezos or somebody like that. But right. uh, probably a good thing they haven't. But uh, uh, it, it is interesting. I, I got a thought 
regarding, you know, you were talking about uh, paying players a lot of money. What is your opinion about potentially paying a general manager and or coach a lot of money? Like, for instance, the Raiders paid $100 million for John Gruden. Somebody in the chat earlier said, what if Sean Payton were to become available and he wanted 10 years, $110 million. He's 57 years old. What are your thoughts about that? First of all, I think the world is Sean Payton, but I'd still never give him a 10-year contract. Okay. Even at 50? I I worked with Sean for four years, maybe, in New Mm -hmm. York, Mm -hmm. and uh, been friends with him for a long time, knew him before that, Uh, scouted him at Eastern Illinois. Uh, And I, I think he's a a great coach. I'd hire him in a second, but I wouldn't give anybody a 10 year contract. That does sound excessive. That, that, I mean, you know, and, and why, why the Raiders did that? You know, did, did Gruden had him over a barrel. I mean, it, it, it's going to be interesting. I, I think, you know, they, they fired him with cause because of those emails. So, you know, how's that going to turn out? How much money did he really see? A mm-hmm. lot of that contract was backloaded, where mm-hmm. he's making a lot of that money on the back on the final five years, not the first five years. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he, you know, he he brings in his own guy to who never had any experience in the real football world. He was in the fantasy football world because he was a draft guy, a draft guru, and and Mike Mayock. And Mike was as good as they come as a, as a draft analyst because he did do the work, okay? But he never did it for real. <laughs> That's a big difference. <laughs> okay? When you got the gun to your head, it's real easy for those guys to sit on television and say, well, I would have done that. Why does he take they're, – they're leaving so-and-so. Well, they don't have 70% of the information. Mm-hmm starting with the medical, mm-hmm. which is very, very important. And a lot of times they don't have the character information. Yeah. And so you've, you, you've got to, it's not just what the player does on the field. The medical plays into it. And, and I don't make the medical decision as a scouting director. The doctors mm-hmm. do. And, and if you're going to trust the doctors, you know, you're going to trust what they're going to tell you. Um, by the way, I, I got to answer this question from uh, Ravi is asking about Mark Hatley. Mark Hatley passed away many years ago. If, yeah, if I great, great, great guy. Yeah. He was actually serving as the team general manager, but didn't have that title for, for he was long. He was vice president of player personnel. Okay, so he was the general. But he was the he was the yeah he over. I I don't know if he oversaw everything that a a GM does. Jerry replaced Mark. Okay. Okay. So and you know I knew Mark when he was at Kansas City before that. So you know went way back. Highly respected guy. Mm-hmm. Really good guy. And and the truth be known is. <laughs> There was a big battle, and you, and you probably know this, between him and Skip Bayless when Skip yes. Bayless was working in Chicago. Yes. And it was a bad, bad experience for him because Bayless would just keep killing him. Yeah, it was ugly. 
Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, I wasn't here for that. I found out about it after the fact, but Mm. Mark didn't even want to be here anymore. Yeah. Well, I don't think he was totally happy with the organization. There were, you know, at that time, the Chicago Bears organization was, was going through some dysfunction and people, I can hear people all over the world saying, Back then, what are you talking about? They go through dysfunction every single day. Well, okay. Now, <laughs> worse then. Again, I wasn't there either, but I know that when we came in, things started to change. Mm-hmm. Okay. Michael was more about this. Well, going back a few years before that, Michael was more involved and then Ted got pushed up. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and Ted be, and, and Michael was, you know, chairman of the board and, but he didn't give, I know, you know, the entire time I, nine years I worked with Michael, he, you know, you talk to the guy, played golf with him a few times and uh, nice guy, but whatever we wanted to do, go do it. Awesome. You know, I mean, he, he, he asked why. And, you know, we met with him, met with him and Ted, you know, before the draft, and this is what we're trying to accomplish. And in order to accomplish it, we got to do A, B, and C. Mm-hmm. And this is what the plan is. And hopefully it comes to fruition. It may include, you know, trading down or whatever. And they were both unanimous. Go do it. Do what you got to do. Someone in the chat room asked about Jerry Angelo, who is 72 years old. He's not interested in coming back to Chicago, is he? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I couldn't answer that. I, mm-hmm. you know, I don't. And Jerry's a, a, a dear friend. D- does he want to put up with the? Let me tell you something. Jerry lived mm-hmm. the sport. There's nobody more dedicated to trying to win. Now, did we always make the right decision? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the proverbial first guy in, last guy to leave. I was in a competition with Jerry every day because I didn't want him to beat me in the office. <laughs> so, you know, because then I felt bad that if you know, he's my boss and so he, I got to get here before he does. So I had to get there freaking quarter to seven. <laughs> That's funny. And let me tell you something. There was no days off. <laughs> that's that's what Christmas, winners do. Christmas man. Day, I'm working. <laughs> and 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 you know, Thanksgiving, I'm working. All those days, every Sunday, I'm working. Mm-hmm. Especially after the season's over and you're getting ready for the draft. I might only work four or five hours on Sunday, but I was working. Why was I working? Because he was working. <laughs> he set the tone for everybody in the building. And that's right. And, and you know, he would watch. Nobody watched. There's not a GM in the league when he was here that watched more tape than Jerry Angelo. Hmm. That's what he liked doing. Yeah. Um, Zach Sullivan has an interesting question. You care to talk a li- uh, at all about w- what happened with Jerry Angelo and the Baltimore Ravens during that was the after draft? I was that was after I was gone. That was the draft after Russell was here. And so, do you, have you heard anything about what what transpired? Um, Pretend I don't know anything at all about it. Fill, fill us in in terms of context. I I I, I don't know about, uh, and I'll tell you what that draft is. Um, 
my older brother had died that oh. week. Oh, and so I was in Buffalo. And um, so I'm watching the draft. And, and actually, his wake was the first night of the draft. His funeral was Friday. Mm -hmm. And so um, I'm in, you know, we get done with the wake at eight o'clock or nine o'clock or something like that. So we go across the street to this place to eat and, you know, it was a sports bar. So we put on the draft. And so I'm seeing what is going on. I, I didn't have any idea that uh, what, you know, who the bears are interested in or who they weren't. Okay. But I, I, they were trying to trade up to get Karimi. Mm-hmm. And they had a deal set, and then it, they found out he's going to fall to him anyway. So, so they off the deal. <laughs> yeah, they backed out of the deal. Now, whether and and from what I understand, I've never gotten Jerry's explanation because I never asked him. Okay. Like after the fact, who cares? Sure. Yeah. Um, Ozzy was pissed, and Ozzy and 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 Jerry are pretty good friends. Mm-hmm. But Ozzy went public with it. He he told the media, "I'm I'm pissed." Oh yeah, I know. And and you know, but it's his side of the story. And he was going to get a pick, and then he didn't get an extra pick. Mm -hmm. You know, so you know, was Ozzy being totally forthright? I don't know. You know, I I, I have to. Call Jerry and say, hey, Jerry, let's go talk about that. <laughs> Over a beer and get that. Yeah, I mean, truth we, we, you, we had him, you know, we, what was it, a year ago we had him on the show? Mm -hmm, right. No, and, and, and right, it was last year. What? It was last year. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, all right. So I, I, I have a uh, question that just popped into my mind as we were talking about general managers and somebody asked the question, bare truth, I think it was about who are some of your top favorite GMs in the league. And so just if you can name Currently? one. Yeah but, but, yeah, but before you do that, I'd also like you to add to that. Is there any, we rarely see this, but it has happened where one GM, a current GM, will leave a team for another GM because more money, you mean a better franchise. Uh, it's pretty hard to do because you got a contract. Ah, okay. <laughs> you know, I mean, somebody got to let you out. It, it's like that's hard. You, you, you can go from pro to college or college to pro, right? But not from team. A to lot team. easier than I mean, the league's not going to let you. I'm going to go, you know, if it's a, now, if you're a general man, if you got a general manager title, but you do not have control of the 53 man roster oh. and team B wants you to be the general manager with control of the 53 man roster, the league mm. will let you do that. Yeah. Okay. That's okay. Because it, it's that's now you are the boss. Yeah. Nah, I like that. So who are some of the current GMs that you uh, have a lot of respect for? I know uh, the guy in Buffalo you love, right? I, I don't know Brandon Bean very well, but I think Brandon Bean has done an excellent job. Mm -hmm. Okay, now they aren't playing well right now. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, that, that team is – last year they were hungry. You'd think that because of the – 
you know, how they lost in the playoffs, they've become back even hungrier. But it, to me, it looks like they've, they're resting on their laurels and reading their press clippings and, and think they're going to win the game by showing up. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, Indianapolis kicked the shit out of them yesterday mm. and, you know, just ran the ball right down their throat. That was ugly. Uh, but, you know, relatively new, who worked here in Chicago, relatively new GM, George Payton in Denver. I think George will do a very good job uh, in Denver. Uh, I've known George a long time. Spielman in Minnesota. You know, when you last a long time, that means you've been doing something right. Now, does everything you do perfect? Hell no. Right. But the Spielman's done a very good job. Les Snead has got a different way of doing things in, in L.A., but he, he does it. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he trades away picks all the time. Now, he, he loads up on those lower round picks. And he's going to get, I think he thinks he's going to get like three or four compensatory this next draft. So he goes, well, yeah, okay, I'm, I don't have a number one and probably doesn't have a number two because he gives them all away. But he has a bunch of day three picks and they do a good job scouting those third day uh, players. Um, Tommy Telesco uh, with Chargers. The, the Chargers is a fellow Buffalonian and a, um, I think he does a good job. Yeah. And of course, Ballard. Would Greg consider coming to Chicago if all of us got on our knees and said, pretty, pretty, please? Oh, <laughs> Greg Ballard. <laughs> I, I, so many Chris Ballard, Bears fans Chris really. Ballard. I'm sorry, Chris. Uh, somebody, the reason I said Greg is because somebody asked this question. Has Greg already said no to the GM job for the Bears? Have I? Uh, <laughs> Would you take the job? Are, fucking A right. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I know I would. I, and you know what? We'd win. Uh, oh my gosh. Hashtag Greg Gabriel Bears GM. Hashtag it, everybody. No, no, because I, no, no, I love it. My time has, has passed me by. I, I, I get that. But mm-hmm. you still play those mind games with yourself. Sure. Okay. And, and it's like, okay. Like we were talking earlier, who'd be my staff? I already know who I, 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 I know I hired a minute. I know who I'd hire as a coach. I know who I'd hire in personnel. So and when, when, when you, it, that was a great point you made earlier is that that's kind of the, the, the key thing in a job interview. Who are you going to bring in? Who's your coach? Who's your this? Who's your that? Are, are, do you have to make sure these guys are even available or you can you just throw out a wish list? Well, if he's a, if he's a current head coach somewhere, he's not available. Right. Okay. So if he's a, you know, coordinator, or you know, could be a college guy or or, or whatever. Um, you know, they're all going to be available, but there's going to be you're going to be competing with with other teams. Now, here's where if if in fact the the Bears decide to make a change, their job becomes attractive immediately. I think so because of the quarterback. That's right. 
you're going to want to work with that young quarterback. Mm-hmm. Now, and I've, I've said this before, you know, I said one of the first guys I'd want to talk to is Brian Dable, the Buffalo offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Love his offense. Uh, and, and he's worked for good people. Technically, he's part of the Belichick tree, but he's been gone from Belichick for so long that, you know, he's got his own way of, of doing things. And in between, you know, he was, he was the OC down at Alabama for Saban for a few years. And then he came back to the league. So um, some people told me, and I don't know if it's true or not. I've just told it that he's not a good interview. And I think I said this on yes, our show last, last Thursday. Oh, I don't care if he interviews good. He can coach. Right. You got to look. Past- I don't want, I don't care if the guy wins the interview. I want him to win games. Right. Yes. And, and can he relate to his players? Mm-hmm. But still, it's when you're interviewing a coach, you know, you're throwing hypothetical situations at him and mm-hmm. you want to find out the answer. And some of it is, is negative stuff. You know, if, if you got a player uprising going on or something, how are you going to handle it? Mm-hmm. You know, right. and, and problems in the locker room, how are you going to handle it? Mm-hmm. And, but it's also staff and you're not always, you know, some guys will say, I want, I want this guy as my coordinator, this guy as my O-line coach, etc." But don't give me one name, give me three. Because you might not be able to get your one, number one. Right, right. Okay. And so then you got to go to number two or go to number, you know, number three. Todd Bowles, another name I would talk to in a second half. And I got a relationship with Todd. I've I've worked with Todd, known him for years. His agent is one of my best friends. Mm -hmm. So, but as good as I, I, as well as I think of Todd, what would be one of the deciding points on hiring him? I know he'd be a disciplinarian. I know he would command the respect of his players. And I know his players would play hard for him because we've already seen that. Mm-hmm. Okay. I want to know who his coordinator is on the offensive side. Who is offensive line coach? Because those are the two most important de- hires he'd have. Because mm-hmm. he's going to, you know, you know, like Nagy's an offensive coach and he controlled the offense. He first came in, Todd Bowles is, you know, you don't worry about what he's going to do on, on the defensive side, because he's going to get people there, you know, that he's worked with and he's trusted everything else. You want to know who he's going to, you got a, a quarterback that you trapped it up and you got a lot invested in who's going to be the coordinator, who's going to be in charge of developing this guy. And, and, you know, right away, if they make a change, people are saying, well, you got to get, go after a guy who can develop, the quarterback, Justin Fields. Well, no, you got to get the best head coach. Starts there. Okay. And, but you got to know through the interview process when you're talking to him, who his assistant coaches are going to be, especially if he's a defensive guy, who are going to be the guys he wants to get and can he get on the offensive side of the ball? Mm-hmm. And uh, going back to this 
version of the Chicago Bears. I think the Bears have a good quarterback coach in John DeFilippo. And I, I, I offer that opinion based on what I've seen when he he's done some blackboard stuff on YouTube. I've heard some interviews. The guy is very articulate. He, everything he says makes sense to me, a, a amateur football student. Uh, uh, and, and so I don't think any of the development issues that are going on with Justin Fields have anything to do with the quarterback coach. I just think it's more of the system. And well, the, the the guy part of it, though, let, 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 hear me out on this one because hmm? you've got you got a pretty strong quarterback coach. You got an offensive coordinator. You got a head coach who's a former quarterback, and for all sense of purposes, was the offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. You got three heads. Yeah. Do you need three heads? Yep. That is an issue that has been plaguing the Bears too many shots. I mean, we don't know exactly what goes on because we're not in the room. You know, you're not in the building. So you don't know exactly what happens. I'll tell you another guy I talked to if I was going to be the coach. Only because I know he's going to be a damn good coach and why he and he hadn't been interviewed in the last couple of years and why he didn't get hired when he was hot is beyond me. And I, well, I know why, but it's Dave Tobe. Mm. Special teams. And Dave Tobe, Dave Tobe, I mean, you know, special teams coaches work with everybody. Yep. Dave Tobe has been forever the best special teams coach in the National Football League. You think the door had closed on him? You think, you think uh, part of it? I mean, he hasn't gotten interviewed. He was getting interviewed. And from what I understand, he's great in interviews. Uh, you know, I, Dave's a friend. So yeah. I, I, he we used to play golf all the time when he was here, but and we still are in contact. Mm-hmm. And his, his, his son, you know, was an assistant for the Bears. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, Shane. I don't know. Shane says he's been about this big, but <laughs> and now he's a big guy. Um, you know, he, he was a center at Carmel Catholic, and we used to go to the games on Friday night and watch Shane play. And he was a hell of a high school football player, but. You know, Dave would have a very disciplined football team, which is which is a must. You got to have a disciplined football team. That's one of the musts. And all you got to do is look at Dave's special teams over the last twenty years. Yeah. And 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 how about that? Dave came into the league under Andy Reid, mm-hmm. but he worked. He was Harbaugh's assistant special teams coach at Philly. And Dave comes here as the head guy. Harbaugh goes as, as, as the head coach in Baltimore. And, you know, right away, Dave showed, showed his worth hmm. as a special teams coach. And he's, he's terrific. Boy, it, it is sad that he's never been given an opportunity, uh, but it, it could still happen for him. But he is he's probably his name isn't a sexy choice. And a lot of people try to get that sexy name. Oh, I know. You want, the, you want the hot name. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Well, the hot name isn't always the best name. Right. Okay. So, right. And, and we could go through a million coaches that have been hired through the years, who is the hot name. Right. Dave Wanstrat was the hot name. Just came off a Super Bowl victory. His defense was, uh, was applauded. He was the hot name. The Bears hired him. It didn't work out for him. 
We uh, wanted we we wanted Dave in New York, mm -hmm. and we ended up. This was after part uh, Ray Hanley left, and um, he wanted George Young wanted to talk to Dave, and Jimmy Johnson said, "Don't go to New York." Because mm. because with George Young, you're not going to have the control oh, that you could have someplace else. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Talk them out of it, huh? Well, I mean, it was like the New, or New York, the Giants never had a shot. Mm. Jimmy Johnson basically took one set out of, out of play for that one to, for the Giants. Right. We ended up going with Dan Reeves, and that was a disaster. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Poor Dan. Well, um, hey, I mean, Dan was Dan was a good football coach, but he he came he came from a place where he was totally in charge, and he wasn't going to be totally in charge in New York, and it just couldn't work for him. Yeah, some guys need to have total control. Of it, it was a battle every freaking day. Mm -hmm. Bear Truth Nine uh, is saying something that I've heard you say before. Todd Bowles uh, should be a head coach. He's the top, his top candidate. He's probably one of your top candidates too. If the Bears are replacing their coach, well, I already gave him my my top three. It was Todd Bowles. It was um, Brian DeBall. Brian DeBall, and who was the third one? Dave Tobin. Dave Tobin. Interesting. Dave Tobin, and then if I was gonna uh, go to the college ranks, I. I I'd want to talk to the Oklahoma coach. Mm. What do you think about Kyle Shanahan, um, given that he's he's potentially on the hot seat over in San Francisco? A, a hot, sexy name that has only won one year. Mm -hmm. So what's and and a, a guy that's going to want all the control? Mm hmm. And it's 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 too hard of a job to give the head coach unless he's really special all the control. Mm. What any college football coaches like Ryan Day appeal to you? Ryan Day would be a guy that I think you'd want. Number one, he's coached in the league mm -hmm. as a quarterback coach. Mm -hmm. Okay, and for the Chicago Bears, that would be a guy you want to talk to. Mm -hmm. because of his relationship with Justin Fields. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that would be, you know, him and, and, and the guy at Oklahoma. Those would probably be two coaches from the college ranks that you'd want to talk to. I can't think of anybody else really in, in the college game. Campbell from Iowa State. Oh, yeah. Always gets, always gets consideration because, let's face it, Iowa State, you aren't getting players that – I was getting, which is a hundred miles away. Yeah. But they always are really solid football teams. Mm -hmm. Now, some people think, well, hell, you know, we had a lot of guys coming back this year. You shouldn't walked away with the big 12. No, go look at the way how those guys were ranked. The players were ranked. He, he gets the bottom of the barrel. You ever been to Ames, Iowa? Yes, I have. Okay. I mean, <laughs> is that a place where you'd want to go to school? And I granted it's only like 35 miles from Des Moines, and Des Moines is not a bad place. No, it is but not. But still, yeah, to me, it could be. It's even though it's 35 miles, it's like a, it's 100 miles. Oh yeah, it's much worse than Green Bay. <laughs> much worse. Oh, I, I just I, Ames, Iowa, and I'm sorry if anybody's an Iowa State grad who might be listening, does nothing for me. But I, now, have you ever been to Iowa City? 
I have been tired. They're night and day. Yes, <laughs> indeed, indeed. Hey, Greg, uh, to close the show, y- your gut said that the Bears were going to beat the Ravens and have a hard time in Detroit. Well, now that the Bears have blown that game against Baltimore that they should have won, do well, you? They're playing. They're going to play against another backup. Yeah, so that's bad. And news. I should have been right if, if, <laughs> if the defense played, but you know. Yeah, they probably would have won. I ain't coaching the team. in the lineup. <laughs> um, so, so what's your gut feel about this Detroit game? I mean, is this going to be potentially one of one of one of those Thanksgiving days where we're all going to be vomiting our food even before we eat it? <laughs> I don't know. You know, I, I was tempted to call Shane Reardon over at the score. <laughs> okay. I'd say Shane, you should give me um, Mully and, and Ha are going to be off on Friday. It's always a day off for those guys. Yeah, yeah. And I've had that morning show a few times uh-huh. when the Bears were playing on Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. and every time I've had that show, the Bears have won. Oh my goodness! <laughs> so I, I, I felt like, and and one time was up in Green Bay, mm-hmm. and everybody thought they were going to get blown out, and and they won the game. That is wild. That is wild. So I, I, I was tempted. To, I, I haven't done anything for the score in two years because I went to the, uh, not quite two years because I went to the XFL. Um, I was a Shane, you want the Bears to win? Let me do the Friday morning show. <laughs> it, it's gotten to the point almost where fans don't want the Bears to win. Uh, they want. Why? The- they don't have a first round pick. Exactly. But it, it is goes to the Giants. It is nice to have a high second round pick because yeah, a no, lot of first round yeah. talent falls to the uh, top Absolutely. of the second. Absolutely, yeah. you got. I mean, that talk for another day. But you got a group of guys. You get in there. I call them twenty to forty guys. Mm-hmm. Okay, and every draft is a little different, but still, you could put a lot of guys in that group. It might be. 20 to 35 guys one year and 20 to 40 guys another year, but talent wise, relatively similar. Mm-hmm. And if they go between 20 and 32, it doesn't surprise you. And if they go between 33 and 40, it doesn't surprise you. Mm. So, okay. A perfect example, Tevin Jenkins. Yeah. Okay. A lot of people thought, He'd go in the first round. That he was mocked to the Mel Kuyper. One of Mel Kuyper's mock drafts was the Bears taking him at twenty. I saw that. Yeah. Okay. So now he they get him in the second round, and that's perfect example of a guy that's in that twenty to forty category. And that it's it's how you what you're looking for and how you got him graded and and. and how you got them stacked on your board and you know, you, you go into a draft and you know, Hey, I got to get a player at, you know, tackle might be my third need or something like that. And so you're going to bypass him for another position. Mm-hmm. If great, if grades are similar. Mm-hmm. Well, I wish you were drafting our next draft. Because I don't know. I, I don't know the, the players for this next draft well enough. It wouldn't take me long to catch up, trust me. Oh, I but, I, but it, it um, you got to work this next draft, and I've said this a thousand times, in conjunction with free agency. Mm-hmm. You're gonna, you you got to make some tough decisions 
Okay, who are you not going to bring back? And you already know A-Rob's gone, and I've said it. As much as I respect Akeem Hicks, yep. you go back to, okay, he's getting paid $12 million. Mm-hmm. Have you gotten $12 million worth of production out of Akeem Hicks the last two years? You have not. You okay, have not. so now you got to, now if you can get Akeem Hicks for $5 million, I'd bring him back. Drew, Drew Rosenhaus is going to do that? Hell no. No. Okay, now, if there's nothing else out there, Woody, maybe. You know, maybe it's like, okay, he's a free agent. So you say, I'm not bringing him back. And you let him find out what his value is. Mm-hmm. But I'm never going to go out and extend him to keep him here. Right. Yeah, you're. if you're... Five million to me sounds like a fair price. And you know, and I, I'm just I'm throwing the dart at the wall. Though. Yeah, you know, I'm just picking an arbitrary number up, but I'm just saying that, you know, he's costing twelve million now his cap figure, but you're not getting back twelve million in production. Now, mm-hmm. when he plays a game and he's healthy, you're getting, you know, let's say make seven hundred fifty thousand dollars a game. You on on a per game basis when he's healthy, yeah, you're getting that seven fifty per game back. Mm-hmm. Okay, but. Over the course of the season, especially the last two years, you haven't gotten twelve million. Yeah. Oh boy, it, 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 I, I got to tell you, things look really, really gloomy for the immediate Bears future. Future, certain things have to change. They got to get lucky. They got to have a great draft, uh, great drafts, and uh, and really. Get a, they, they, I, I think you got to take a little different approach in, in free agent. I think you get you're going to have to spend some money. You got to get a top receiver. You got to replace A Rob. And on paper, there's going to be some guys there. Yes, there are. But nobody's going to cost as much as A Rob wanted. Yeah, the twenty so alleged twenty million that he was seeking. Right. So, you know, can you get? And I'm throwing a name. I'm, I, you know, I haven't studied and ranked guys, but say a Juju Smith. Right. You know, maybe you can get Juju for twelve. Mm-hmm. Or something like that. And again, I'm throwing a dart at the wall with the numbers. Um, but now, okay, now you got $8 million to still, still spend. And, and it's like you were saying a little earlier, you know, on, on Khalil Mack, maybe I can get another player for the same amount. Of, and so now I got two for one with that same dollar. Right. And that that is a good way of thinking in, in, in certain cases. You know, so... But, I, you know, the, and if you don't bring back Hakeem Hicks, mm-hmm. you've got to get a defensive lineman in there. Now, I think that there's some pretty good players they got right now. Mm-hmm. This, you know, Angelo Blackman, I think he, they got him dirt cheap. Yeah. He's not too bad. Right. He's not. He's not at all. Um not a, he's not the, the kind of guy you want playing 50 snaps, you know, but he can give you 20 to 30 great snaps a no, game. But you're going to play. But the point is, in, in, in defensive football right now, very few defensive linemen are playing 60 snaps. They're True playing that. a rotation. True that. Yeah. Um, I didn't okay. see how many snaps he played yesterday, but he did play a lot yesterday. But you're right. Well, he had not. to because Hicks wasn't there. Right. But, you know, Henderson's playing. The, the rookie, uh, Tonga's playing. All, all these guys are playing. Um, and 
for the most part, they didn't play too bad. I don't know if I can put it on. I mean, they, 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 the pass rush was pretty. They got six sacks yesterday. That was incredible, yeah. You know, so that that part was good, mm-hmm. but the secondary broke down. Sure did. They sure did. And let's hope they don't break down against Detroit in the second or third string quarterback they're going to throw out there against us. Hey, even if it's golf, all you got to do is punch golf in the mouth and he's got a glass jaw. Oh, that is so true. Our chances might be better with their starting quarterback than their third string, that's for sure. (laughs) Um, You know, uh, to me, that is not a, a, a tough guy. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll uh, definitely be watching. I know you will. And what are you what are you doing on Thanksgiving? What what's what happens at the uh, Gabriel home? On this will be the first time since I've been in Chicago mm-hmm. that well, I got to take that back because I got married my third year here. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember. I think I went home one year to Buffalo my first year just for Thanksgiving, like flew out Wednesday night and came back Thursday night or Friday morning. Mm-hmm. But since Robin and I have been married, this is the first year we're not having it here. We're going to one of the kids' house for Oh, interesting. Yeah. So you'll be watching the game from one of your uh, kids' homes. Well, I probably won't go over there until either halftime or the game's over. Gotcha. But, and- you know. And, and speaking of that, how how are we going to work this this show? Well, uh, that's a good question. Do you want uh, if you're available Friday? I'd love to do a show Friday with you. And if not Friday, then we'll uh, be back here a week from. Well, I, I'm here Friday. I got to take. I know my dog's got an, an appointment on Friday at the vet, but that's in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, and my wife's gone all day because she works in retail and. I, Black Friday. Oh yeah, poor, poor lady. <laughs> so it's uh, yeah. I mean, I I, I probably could go Friday. I I I can't say I, I don't know of anything I got planned other than to watch some good college football because that's always that's rivalry weekend. There's always great. Friday and Saturday. It's great stuff indeed. So we'll pencil in next Friday and we'll communicate via text and let people know. And if not, we can do it Monday. I'd rather do it Friday because then, you know. Yeah, everything is still fresh in your mind and we can complain yeah. and or celebrate, hopefully celebrate because uh, I want the Bears to win out. I, uh, and that doesn't mean that I don't want Matt Nagy gone. I think Matt Nagy's time is gone. But last question for you, Greg. If Matt Nagy and the Bears win the remaining games that they have on the schedule, here's the schedule. Week 12, week 13, 14, 15, 16, yeah, 17, we, and 18. Right? Who, who the hell we got? We got Detroit. We got the Lions on week 12. Well, so you can cross off week 13. I don't think they're going to. Where's where's your, Where's the Arizona game? Uh, Arizona is at home. Everything in white is at home. Everything oh, in okay. orange is on the road. Well, maybe if it's uh, 20, 20 degrees, they, uh, but they're, they're going to get their quarterback. Green Bay's up there. That's going to be a tough game. Yep. Minnesota is actually starting to play good. They, they started are. off terrible and they are putting together. They're going to, I think they'll beat the giants. Yep. I think they got a chance of beating Seattle because Seattle, they look bad. They're not very good. And they look back. And I, I, I think it, I'll tell you that you want an old coach. He, I think he, Pete Carroll's done in, in uh, Seattle. 
He sounds like he's done. I'll tell you that. He sounds like he's fed up with Russell uh, Wilson, and he's looking for a new job. I'm not sure a cold-weather city, Chicago, is up Pete Carroll's alley, but who knows? Not. Pete, Pete's my age, too. Is he going to – I think if uh, – there, there are millions waiting for him in the broadcast booth, for sure. He's, he's a, a very slick talker. Um, either way, we'll be talking about the rest of that schedule and so much more, hopefully on Friday, but if not next Monday here, I want to thank everyone that has joined us live in the chat. We had a, a lot of people joining us. A lot of people look to you, Greg, to help them get over the loss or you know, just simply to come well, I, over. I, the game pissed me off. I mean, hey, you don't get over that. I. When it's there for the taking and then it gets grabbed from you, you don't like that. Yeah, that is. You know, I'd, I'd rather get beaten by three touchdowns than lose like that. Yeah. So, but but I, I, that reminds me, the question that I had for you was, if so if, if for some miracle of miracles the Bears go ahead and win five or six of their last remaining games, does Matt Nagy deserve consideration to keep his job? That'd be a good question. That's a good question. I mean, that's I, I'm not avoiding it, but that that's going to be up to George and and uh, I personally. I think they've already made a decision, regardless. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it it it's a it's a good question. I I you know I just I I, I don't like the body language from Matt right now. Oh, it's awful. It's awful. He looked like he was in tears yesterday in the post-game press conference. And it looked like, uh, you know, a lot of people in the chat room on our after-game show were saying, it looked like he's already been told, this is it for you, buddy. You know, uh, you can keep your office for another few weeks, but it's over. We're not bringing you back next year. Now, I'm sure that didn't happen, but he probably in his heart knows that the job is slipping away from him. Well, when when you lose two games that you had, yeah. I mean, you you you're winning with under two minutes to go, and you lose the game, and you lose them both pretty much the same way. Yeah. What do you What are you gonna do? Yep. Well, and the sixty four thousand dollar question to use an old TV show cliche uh, is: Can he develop Justin Fields? And uh, because if there, if if Justin Fields returns this season and and play, starts to play at a high level, then perhaps you you know the management is going to say, well, yeah, he's starting to develop into a great quarterback. Why should we make a change? But then you know I I'm going to answer it this way. Okay, we've seen over the last month it's been pretty much like this. I thought yesterday was like this. Yeah. He dropped off. He really did. Which and, was- in fact, Hub, Hub said it too. Now, he started slowly before and come back in the second half. Right. He really didn't have the second half because he got hurt. Right. Um, so there's no way of knowing if he would have even got him in the game like Dalton got him in the game. Mm-hmm. I mean, when Dalton came in, did you think they were going to score in, in two plays? No effing way. Yeah. Well, that happened. And then uh, when's the last time you saw fourth and 11? You got to get this play to keep the drive alive to, to win. And they threw a freaking touchdown pass. <laughs> to Marquise Goodwin. 
<laughs> who was only open by about 10 yards. That's all. That's all. Yeah, which is another. He, he could have caught the ball as a punt backed into the end zone. <laughs> yes, indeed. Well, I'm hoping we could talk about Friday's. Uh, uh, I, I'm, I, I'm hoping we could talk Friday about Thursday's game. Uh, we'll be definitely in touch and let our audience know. We've got an abbreviated schedule of shows this week, so the best way to stay on top of things is to follow us here on our YouTube channel or just follow the Twitter account, my Twitter account, at Barroom Network. Greg, you're the best. I could talk to you for another three, four hours, but we'll we'll save it. We'll accumulate it all over the next two or three weeks. All right, brother? Okay, buddy. Okay, talk to you later. Bye-bye. Talk later. Bye-bye.